My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us this morning. We got your Bibles. We're in Mark chapter 10 today, Mark chapter 10. And uh, we'll be picking up in verse 6. But before we get there, I want to say... Uh, good morning to some folks that have joined on with us this morning so far. So the Barry Cole, good morning, Barry. Uh, the Barbers are here. Uh, Nina Gilcrest is here. Hey, good morning. Uh, the Janikas are in 206. Fantastic. Uh, the Greggs from North Carolina. Hey, guys. The Archers, the Johnsons, the Landers. Wonderful. Fantastic, guys. Got a good, good group this morning. So glad to have you guys with us. And uh, if you haven't already gone to OurSundaySchool.com to grab a copy of this morning's handout, you can do that. And uh, it's right there on the front page. And uh, you feel free to also use uh, a copy of our ESV Scripture Journals. I think we'll just be in Mark's Gospel this morning. Uh, so we'll, we'll start with uh, reading through Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> and while I'm reading through Mark chapter 10, this is just a, a question to kind of consider as we go through today. You know, what is God doing in you? through the portion of Mark that we have studied so far. And we've, we've studied a big portion of Mark so far. So, you know, nine full chapters and uh, starting into the 10th. So be thinking through that question. What is, what is God doing in your heart, uh, in your life? Uh, what is he bringing to mind uh, as, we, as we look through and study uh, Mark's gospel? So I'm going to read Mark chapter 10, and then we'll come back and start, I think, at verse 6 today. And uh, we might get all the way through verse 12 through the end of this handout. So we'll see. So Mark chapter... 10. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of your heart, he wrote this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, 
and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism that which with I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Mark chapter 10. 
have to excuse me for just a second. I apologize for the errors in the reading. I should have stopped in the midway through, but I had something in my eye. And I was basically doing that with one eye. Uh, there we go. Much better. So good morning to several other folks that have joined us. So we've got the, uh, the Arnolds, the McClures, the Ayers, uh, Nancy Miller. Hey, good morning from Oak Ridge. Uh, the McGarveys and Cheryl Benefield. Fantastic. Great, guys. Glad to have you guys with us. So, uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we're going to uh, pick up in verse uh, 6 this morning, looking to try to get through uh, verses uh, uh, all the way through 12, the end of this particular handout. You can go to OurSundaySchool.com and uh, grab the handout for today's lesson. So I'm going to start with verse 1 and just kind of uh, remind us where we were. So, and he left there and went to the region uh, of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and you remember, we're, we're headed toward Jerusalem at this point. If you remember the map from a couple of weeks ago, I think it might have been last week, uh, we're going, the direct route from where he was to Jerusalem is just straight south. But he, he ran into some uh, opposition in Samaria. So he heads, uh, what direction is that? East across the Jordan, comes down through Judea. And then uh, this is where this, uh, this interaction happens. So the crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his customs, all this is the normal thing, right? Uh, he taught them, and Pharisees uh, came up, and in order to test him, and I, I think this might be one of the key phrases for this entire interaction, because the Pharisees were not out for uh, theological instruction. They were not out to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They were not out to find out if uh, Jesus was the Messiah. They're out to trap him, uh, because their objective is their own spiritual rule. And anybody that comes along that jeopardizes that is a threat to them. So Jesus was a threat to them, which is one of the reasons why you see the, the, the Jewish religious elite uh, partnering with Rome in the uh, death of Jesus Christ in the later chapters of the Gospels. Uh, so that Jesus is a threat to them, and they're trying to find anything and everything they can to use against him in a court proceeding. And uh, they do ultimately find some things. Uh, they find truth. And they use truth against Jesus, and they also use some lies against him. But uh, this particular interaction doesn't go well for them. So the Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked him, is it lawful, uh, so is it legal, is it right, for a man to divorce his wife? Which is a spectacularly generic question, right? I mean, if you think about all the situations that are embedded in that question, this is, this is a truly generic question. So I love Jesus' response, right? I've told you this many times, and we've seen this countless times in the Gospels. Jesus answers the question with a question. So verse 3, he answered them, what did Moses command you? Right? So he's appealing to their, their high authority. So what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. So they're quoting Deuteronomy 24, not quoting, but paraphrasing Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. Verse 5, and Jesus said to them, and he's talking about the why here. So he's talking to talk the why that Moses gave this commandment. Uh, and Moses is indirectly given this commandment. God is giving this commandment, right? So Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. And it, notice the connection. So Jesus is talking about something that happened, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. And he's talking directly to them because of the hardness of your heart. Moses gave you this commandment. So then we pick up in verse 6 with today's text. And Jesus basically goes back to the beginning to give them the original design. Uh, so verse 6, But from the beginning, 
Uh, and this is actually the, the word that is used in Mark 1.1, Arche, uh, the arc of the storyline here. So this is from the beginning of creation. Uh, God made them male and female. Uh, and, and I have actually heard uh, and seen, you know, there are countless websites that say here's errors in the Bible and whatnot. And uh, there are people that might look at this text and say from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. So God made male and female on the first day. That's not what Genesis says. Jesus has got his, his Old Testament mixed up. It's like Jesus doesn't have his Old Testament mixed up. He was there. <laughs> he's, he's the creative force. Um, this is not a... Um, <laughs> that's just, it's ludicrous, right? But anyway, we'll, we'll address this. So flip over to Mark 16, uh, verse 15. And well, I'll show you another time this word creation is used. And it'll be obvious that we are talking about, that Jesus is talking about mankind. So this is the, uh, the, the closest thing you get to a great commission in Mark's gospel, verse 15. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now, if the word creation means everything that God created in Mark's gospel, then Jesus is directing them to preach the gospel to trees and rocks. Makes no sense, right? So one of the really easy ways to just debunk folks who aren't serious about studying the Bible, I, I would say closely akin to modern-day Pharisees, uh, is to look and see how words are used elsewhere within the same work. So this is obviously talking about creation to whom the gospel would apply, which would be human beings, right? So if you read it in the context of Jesus is talking about the, the day of creation where humans were created, uh, in the beginning of creation, so this would be day six, God made them male and female. So Jesus is quoting Genesis 1.27. Uh, it's actually not a paraphrase, it's a quote. So slight distinction from what the Pharisees are doing from what Jesus does, but I don't want to make too much about that. So God made them, and made is an indicative. This is a statement of fact. So Jesus is stating fact about what God did. God made them male and female, right? So this is the original design. Verse 7, therefore... Uh, and this is an unusual, therefore, for Mark. Mark uses uh, dia many times uh, from a logic perspective. Like we're going through this thought to make this other point. Uh, and this is a different Greek word, uh, Henneke. So therefore, a man shall leave. And this isn't, I didn't highlight this, but this is an active verb. So this is something that the subject is doing. So the, the man here is the subject. So the man is actively leaving. It's not something passively that's being done to him. It's not a somebody gets kicked out of their house. This is someone makes the choice to leave. So a man shall leave his father and mother. And then the ESV includes the phrase, and hold fast to his wife. Uh, Jesus is quoting Genesis 2.24, but there's a footnote here. And the footnote in the ESV says, some manuscripts omit and hold fast to his wife. That is a true statement. The reason you don't see any bracketed definitions there is because the uh, Nestle Island uh, 28th edition doesn't include this in the original text. So if I were going to write uh, the Jim Fleming version of the Bible which would be scary and uh, not nearly as academically sound as it should be, uh, I wouldn't include the and hold fast to his wife because it's not present in the best manuscripts. But he's leaving uh, his father and mother in verse 8, and the two shall become one flesh. And the, the literal translation of this is really neat. It just says two exist into one flesh. And it's this idea of that you had two separate things and now you have one thing. 
Um, so there is a union, and Jesus is focusing on the union, whereas the Pharisees are focusing on the disillusion of the, uh, the dissolvement of the union. It's interesting to see what each one of them focuses on. So then Jesus goes on, uh, so, or thus therefore, um, they are, and this they are is a, it's a, I would argue it's a pretty substantial phrase in what Jesus is going to be talking about. So it's a present active indicative. So the present means it's a right now continuous. So right now they are active. They are, they're acting on something uh, and it's an indicative. It's a fact. So right now acting factually, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Uh, so I, I always love when somebody makes a really profound statement and then clarifies it to ensure that it really can't be misunderstood. Because remember, what the Pharisees came for was they came for a fight. Right? They came for finding uh, falsehood in Jesus. They came to try to trip him up and catch him in some issue. So Jesus makes a statement and he clarifies it because that intended audience at that time his goal was to very clearly teach what the Bible had taught, what the Old Testament taught. So the two shall become one flesh. And then he goes on, verse 9, what therefore God has joined together. So this is a fact. So in this marriage act, God is the one that joins together. Uh, and I would argue that this is, this is one of the reasons why I don't lose my mind when governments decide to um, acknowledge or recognize uh, some type of a, a marriage that is non one man, one woman. It's not government who marries people, right? It's God who joins uh, people together, does the two into one flesh. Uh, God did not grant the government the authority to uh, create one flesh from two people. That is God's. That is his domain. Uh, and with, if a government wants to put a piece of paper uh, to it, okay. Uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't usurp God's authority in this space. So, so what therefore God has joined together or, or put together, yoked together, uh, let not man separate. And this uh, let not man separate, this word separate is an imperative. This is a command. Um, so Jesus has gone from accurately stating what the Old Testament said to clearly summarizing to commanding this group that has come and asked this question. And the interesting thing is that here in Mark's gospel, that's the end of the conversation. So if you're the Pharisees, why is that the end of the conversation? I would argue because Jesus nailed the answer and they knew he nailed the answer and he didn't leave them any wiggle room to make loopholes and excuses. Remember, these are the guys that spend their whole lives trying to look outwardly righteous and bragging about how much they know and how much they can live. It's just, it's a horrible, horrible life. <clears throat> so he's finished this conversation with the Pharisees. Uh, hey, good morning, Jay and Becky. Uh, and then verse 10, he says, and in the house. So we, we're transitioning scenes at this point, right? Uh, I've got some mockers on the couch who are laughing at me for my welcoming to Jay and Becky. I, I would say that I am fulfilling, this is my pharisaical approach, right? I'm fulfilling the, yeah, now he's yelling squirrel at me. Okay, so I'm going to move on. So verse 10. Have I mentioned lately that I miss you guys and being around you in person? I love my family, but I am ready to be around you guys in person. 
I miss a room full of people with uh, immediate feedback and uh, watching your eyes and, and being able to try to determine, did, did this land, did it not land? Um, I miss my church family. So verse 10, and in the house, uh, the disciples asked him again. So we've, we've changed scenes. So the, it, the implication here is the Pharisees have either left or they're outside. Uh, so now it's just, it appears to be just Jesus and the disciples. Uh, we see in verse uh, 13 in uh, Lord willing next week's text that there are people coming in and out, uh, at least maybe not of the house, but of where he is immediately. Uh, but the scene seems to be just Jesus and his disciples here. So it's closer group. And, and I would argue this is one of the main points of this text. And we'll get to that in the application and the personalization here in a minute. But So they, they're back in the house. The disciples asked him, this is imperfect, so they're repeatedly asking him again about this. I don't, I don't know the best way to translate this, but they're repeatedly asking him about this, which seems like there was a lot of questioning going on about this, right? And you got to remember, the disciples that Jesus picked were not the stellar students of the Jewish educational system. Right? They were they were fishermen and tax collectors and other things. And they, these were not the guys that went all the way in their rabbinical training. These were the guys that got asked to leave their rabbinical training very early on. Um, so this some of this might have been just out of sheer ignorance, and some of it just might have been, what are they really trying to do over there? Like, what are the Pharisees about here? Uh, lots of opportunity for uh, understanding and interpretation here. So the disciples asked him again about the matter, verse 11, and he said to them, so he's talking directly to the disciples now, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. You're like, okay, well, that seems seems pretty clear. So are there any things that are, that are special about this? Well, I'd, I'd say the word marries is one that has showed up before in Mark's gospel. Uh, first time it showed up was in 617. If you remember this, this was um, the, where Herod... Uh, is dealing with uh, John the Baptist and what John the Baptist had called him out on, verse 17, for it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, right? So this is his sister-in-law because he had married her, right? So John calls this out, this actual, um, I would say very close to this uh, type of a sin, uh, this this unholy marriage, right? Because he's married somebody that was actually married to somebody else. Uh, so he divorces his wife and another and, and commits adultery against her. So this word against is epi. It's the superimposition. The idea is that it's on like the 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 target of the adultery was against the wife here. Um, and then verse twelve, if she divorces her husband, and there is like there is a massive legal undertone going on in verse 12. Like this is, this is actually a really big deal uh, because if you look back to the Old Testament and summarize the divorce laws as the Pharisees did in Deuteronomy uh, 24, uh, the man had the authority to divorce the wife. And here Jesus is saying that the woman can initiate a divorce. Right, so this is a uh, this you talk about leveling the playing field, if you will, as far as rights are concerned. Uh, the interesting thing is that in Roman uh, under Roman law that was existing at this time, uh, this was a legal thing. The woman had the right to do this; she had the legal right to do this. So, verse twelve. So she divorces her husband and marries another. She commits adultery. 
Um, so Jesus expounds on the teaching that he gave and the clarification that he gave to the, uh, the Pharisees. And, and I, I want to I draw out a point here. When, when we have questions about what God has said, we should go to God. And it, it's not explicit in the text drawn out that way, but this is the example that Jesus rewards with additional information to help the disciples in their spiritual growth and walk. Because they're going to need to know these types of things if they're going to go out and lead and start churches that are going to have messy components, right? Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but church life is always not neat and clean. There's, there's hard spots and there's ugliness and there's messiness because they're made up of people with hard spots and ugliness and messiness. Hi, my name's Jim. I am one of them. Um, so these disciples would need to know uh, truth about the nitty gritty of when relationships break, but they also need to know what the ideal was, right? So God, uh, Jesus talks about, he goes back to Genesis and says, this is, this is the original design. This is the way it's supposed to work. And Here's the repercussions when it breaks down uh, in very specific ways. Now, I, I will tell you this before we go into the application and personalization. This is not, like Mark chapter 10, is not all the Bible has to say about marriage and divorce. Uh, but it is a really succinct view of what Jesus said about marriage and divorce. Uh, you know, so Paul talks more about this in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 11. Seven or eleven. I don't remember which. Uh, I, I'm not going to go there. Uh, but there are other things that the Bible teaches about this. Uh, so I'll tell you. I'll, I'll talk about that, and then I'll talk about my T-shirt real quick, and then we'll get into the. Um, thanks for standing in this audience. Yes, <laughs> you have fans now. Fantastic. This is great. Uh, so the reason I wear this T-shirt. So this is my. Uh, take that off the screen real quick. So this is Carol Sardine oil. Um, if you're, if you have not, if you've somehow escaped the awful, horrible, hideous Netflix series, uh, Tiger King, um, it is, it is one train wreck after an, it's a train wreck inside of a train wreck on top of a train wreck and another train is hitting it from two. I mean, it's just, it's horrible. And the drama all stems from this argument, uh, between a guy named Joe and a woman named Carol. And uh, they just hate each other. I mean, with a, a deep abiding passion. And I, I wore this shirt last week and this week to remind myself that the reason the Pharisees came up to Jesus and asked these questions and started this whole series of events is not for their spiritual growth. This is not an honest seeker. And one of the things I think uh, Mark chapter 10 does is it lays out a series of people and we go from truly transparently dishonest seekers that Mark calls out as a dishonest seeker at the beginning of Mark chapter 10. And then we transition to the, uh, the little children, right, who are coming, who are as honest as you can get, right? So this is the, the two ends of the spectrum. Then we transition over to, I want to make sure I get it right. Then we transition over to uh, what's often referred to as the rich young ruler um, and who, who thinks He's an honest seeker, perhaps. And then we transition over to uh, the James and John who are piously seeking something for their own consumption. And then we get to blind Bartimaeus 
who uh, we see in the outcome of getting what you want, like what did you do with what you wanted? He followed Jesus with it, that he actually was an honest seeker. So we, we see in Mark chapter 10, all these different pictures of people coming to Jesus and how he engages them. And he know, he's got this benefit of knowing everything, right? So that's fantastic. We don't have that. Uh, we have to be uh, you know, wise as serpents and harmless as doves in our interactions with people, always giving room and grace for repentance. Um, but uh, I, I just think Mark chapter 10 is a beautiful picture of all these different types of people coming to Jesus and how he engages with them and how he deals with each one of them. I would argue that that might be one of the themes of Mark chapter 10 uh, is how to engage with different people that come after information about God. So let's do some application and personalization. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, excellent. Thank you, um, uh, Mr. Miss Greg. I appreciate that. I didn't know what the seven was about there for a second. I thought seven. No, I've only got five, but okay. So uh, application number one. Uh, so all four gospels are necessary, which might seem like a really odd application to make right here. Uh, but if you remember the map from last week's lesson, uh, we only find out that they cross the Jordan and go down through uh, Judea because of uh, Luke's gospel. So it is good and helpful to read the gospels together uh, because you just get a, uh, I'd say the personalization here is that read all the gospels to get the complete picture. Um, and and I'm, I'm intentionally using the phrase complete picture because we have the complete picture that God wants us to have. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I read the Bible and I'm like, Boy, I wish I'd known what happened right. And then I get about halfway through that thought and, yeah, I don't need that. I need exactly what God's given. No more and no less. I have this Bible, the Holy Spirit, the church. These are the things that God has given us. Uh, the Holy Spirit's not a thing. The Holy Spirit's a person, excuse me. Uh, this is, these, this is what, the, what God has given us to know Him and obey Him rightly. Uh, and that is enough. So all four Gospels are necessary. Uh, application point number two. Uh, the why of a commandment matters. Uh, the why of a commandment matters. Um, and, and I think this is where a lot of folks get hung up on the Old Testament. They just view this as completely completely arbitrary things that God's just throwing out because he's uh, mean and cruel and uh, just out to, to get people, right? And the, the reality is he's protecting his people. He's loving his people. He's drawing his people into relationship with himself. Um, so I would say personalize, personalize number two, uh, look for the why. Uh, look for the why. And I have in parentheses after mine, and obey either way. If you understand the why or if you don't understand the why, obey either way. Um, God doesn't always have to, God never has to explain the why. He is the sovereign, righteous, holy ruler of the universe. What he says is good and right and holy, and uh, we should obey. But I would, I would encourage us to look for the why uh, to be able to see. And, it, and often, if not always, the why is rooted in our sinfulness and God's holiness. Um, all right, application number three, uh, God's original design, so here's your math equation today, is one plus one equals one for life. That's the original design, right? God's original design is one plus one equals one for life. And my personalize is obey God's design. And I, I, I really, I spent a lot of time making sure I wanted to say exactly what I wanted to say with this. Because I don't want to say more than Jesus says about marriage and divorce. And I don't want to say less than Jesus says about marriage and divorce. 
um, but embedded in God's current design are marriage off-ramps for divorce for legitimate reasons. And, um, and that's the way it is, right? So the, the personalized is obey God's design. Uh, application number four, uh, adultery can be committed in remarriage. I just want to be super clear about that because Jesus was super clear about that, right? So adultery can be committed in remarriage. Um, it is possible to do this wrong, as it is possible to do almost anything wrong. Uh, so personalize number four, obey God's design. Right? Um, if you have had a divorce, um, one, I, I hate that for you, that that has happened in your life. I just, I truly hate that. Um, it has not happened in mine. I, I cannot relate and uh, engage with you in an understanding way that um, that would help. Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you that. I'm, I'm speaking out of uh, a lack of experience here. Um, but I will tell you, God is good and right and holy and, and just in all that he does. Uh, and his love for you has not changed. Um, and the command to obey his design is still there. Uh, and then number five, application number five, uh, Jesus gives more insight to his own when asked. I'm sure there's a more succinct way to say that. I spent way much, way more time this week on three and four than I did five. So Jesus gives more insight to his own when asked. So what do we do with that? Ask. I even have an exclamation point next to mine. Um, it's good to ask God uh, whatever's on your heart. He knows, right? <laughs> he knows what's on your heart. He also knows the answer. He knows if it's a good question or not. Uh, but ask, especially when we're, we lack wisdom in a certain area. Uh, this is one of the beautiful commands that God gives his children, that he's, he's going to help. He's going to assist. He's going to be there uh, with himself uh, and as we need an answer. But uh, he himself is always uh, sufficient. So, uh, I'm actually done a little bit early today. Imagine that. Seven verses in less than the normal time. So, let's, uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll start with Mark uh, 10, 13. Uh, just to give you a, a little overview. I'm going to try to pull up a calendar. There we go. Uh, so, next week is December 13th. Uh, that's a Sunday school day. The week after that is December 20th. That's a scheduled Sunday school day. Uh, the 27th of Jan of December and December, I'm getting this all mixed up, December 27th and January 3rd, we do not have a scheduled Sunday school. Uh, and I will tell you, I am not planning on teaching, uh, even though we could. Uh, I will tell you, I need a break. Um, I have taught more this year than I ever have in my entire life. And I uh, am running on empty at this point. So uh, December 27th and January 3rd, uh, we will pause Sunday school. Uh, Lord willing, we'll come back on January the 10th with our overview of Sunday school lesson. And then we'll start back with Mark, uh, Lord willing, on January 17th. So we will take a break from Mark from the day, uh, from the time Sunday school is over on December 20th all the way through uh, January 17th. But I wanted to kind of give you uh, that picture of what was uh, planned, at least for this point. And I, I, you know, I have to chuckle every time I say the word planned in 2020, right? Um, but I'll, I'll leave you with this, our, our homework at the bottom of the page on 316 there. Uh, pray for help and understanding. Hear Mark. Think about Mark. Talk with somebody about Mark. Share your insights about Mark. And then invite a member and non-member. Um, you know, all of God's Word 
is good and right and holy. And the Spirit can use any portion for uh, the drawing of a heart to the gospel, the truth of the gospel. Uh, and then if you're interested in uh, subscribing to our email, our podcast, YouTube channel, you can do all that at OurSundaySchool.com. And with that, I think I will uh, stop for today. So thanks for coming. I uh, appreciate you engaging. Uh, feel free to share this on Facebook. Uh, I notice some of you do this on a real consistent basis. Uh, thank you for that. It does help a lot of other folks get to know uh, about what's going on in our class and uh, sharing the gospel with them. I think that's always a good thing. So uh, until I see you again, uh, Lord willing, that'll be next week. Grace and peace. And uh, I'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.